Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. We're just really thrilled that all of you are joining us. As you know, we are starting off a 50 day of freedom campaign. So it's going to go starting from today all the way to end of July. And we're hoping that this will be a very catalytic part of your life and your walk with God. So that's why I'm looking forward to journeying with you as I share from the Word of God. And we have so many different things planned for you that we're hoping that God will use all these things to help ignite a greater love and a desire for God, as well as being set free from some of the things from the past and some of the issues that we constantly find ourselves struggling with. We're believing by faith that God is going to be doing that. As I shared before as well, we're going to need a lot of prayer coverage because whenever we enter into this domain of the spiritual realm and fighting against a good versus evil, light versus darkness, there will be a lot of opposition. And if some of you haven't experienced that yet this week, then it's coming this coming week. And so we just need to be in prayer, praying for one another in our personal time of prayer. We need some more intercessors to rise up and pray for our church put a hedge of protection over us as we journey because it's going to be exciting when we see people being set free from darkness into the light that we know that Satan is not going to be happy about that. So he will do everything to distract us, to discourage us, and to cause us to turn to other things rather than to him. And this is why we need a lot more prayer. So I want to just make sure as we start off that I want to give an overview once again. I gave this last week. I want to give it again as some of us who might be here for the very first time. We welcome you. And those of you who are watching online, we believe that this is going to be helpful for all of us. So I'm going to give an overview of what we're trying to accomplish. And then today, uh, I just don't have enough time. I mean, as I was preparing, I was thinking, well, there is, you could do a two, three, four-part series just on this about spiritual warfare. But we have so many other things to cover for the next eight weeks. So I'm going to try to go through this as fast as I can. It was kind of funny because one time I was talking with a group of some global leaders and I had to do a video for this. And I realized I talk pretty fast. And if you haven't noticed by now. And so sometimes when I get extra excited, I talk extra fast. So in order for them to play this video to a group of people, they put it at 0.75 speed, like slower. And it looked still look pretty fast. So they're like, yeah, but if you go any slower, it's going to be like really slow, like a robot. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to, I need to pause at different parts along the way. So your brains can catch up to what I just shared. And, but like I said, there's so much to cover. I'm just trying to focus in on a few things because during life group, we'll try to cover a little bit more as you spend some time in reflection. So once again, what is our aim? What is our mission for these next 50 days? We talked about it, and it's right up here. And it says that we want to equip people to experience freedom, genuine freedom through the gospel so that we, they or we can be empowered to help others encounter freedom with the gospel. So what we're trying to do right here, with those of you who are part of our church, we are trying to equip you so that you can experience the freedom for yourself. As we have always said, you cannot take a person or friend, family member, colleague, anyone to a place you have not been. So we want to have you experience genuine freedom. And as you experience that through the gospel, then you will be empowered because you're going to be excited. You're going to be just experiencing a new joy in your walk with God. Then you will be empowered through the Holy Spirit 
to then go and help other people to experience the same freedom that you experienced through the gospel. So that is what we're trying to do. And we put it very succinctly, and we said, freed people, free people, right? So once we've been set free, then we will want to set other people free with the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. I also talked about it in the 50 days that we are journeying together, that every single event, every single gathering that we have, it's going to be very, very important. That it's not just another gathering. It's not just another meeting. So once again, Sunday, today, what we're trying to do is we're trying to train you to educate you and to teach you about spiritual warfare and what you need to engage in and what you need to do. So that's what we're going to try to do every single Sunday. This is kind of like, I, I, I don't like it, but it's kind of like a classroom setting. And so you're just listening. Hopefully you're taking notes. There's notes you could check in our uh, church app, but just you got to get the information because without the information, then it's hard to then engage in the spiritual warfare. And then we have life group. If you're not part of a life group, we'd love for you to join as we journey together in a smaller community and with people who are similar to you, and we're trying to journey through our faith in this biblical community. So it is during the community where we're going to have time for reflection. We're going to have time to apply the things that we talked about. And then this is going to be a great opportunity to pray because you cannot just sit here and get the information and then just walk out and say, okay, I'm good. No, you're not. Because it's unless it is, you've reflected upon it, you're applying it with a group of people who love you, who are committed to you, and then you are praying for each other, that's where you're going to experience the power of the truth that I'm going to be teaching and Pastor Bo will be teaching for the next eight weeks. And then we have LCG, which is Life Change Groups, which is simply accountability. And so I cannot stress this enough because you could have a good life group, but where it really comes down to where the, foot's off, uh, the boots on the ground it's pretty much people of one-on-one -on -one with one other person confessing, sharing. And as you do that, we're praying that there will be follow-up and follow-through through good accountability. So that's what we're hoping for. And then we're excited for the every other Friday gathering that we're having. We haven't really done this for a long time. But every Friday, we're going to be gathering together to worship together and to be in prayer and to hear what God is trying to say. And this will be an extended time where Pastor Bo and I and some of the other people, leaders, we will actually be praying for some deliverance. Some of us who are struggling with some of these issues that have been putting us in bondage for so long, we're going to be praying for you. Now, some people are like, well, why, why do we need to come to this? Because don't we have life group and we have Sunday? Yes. But once again, the purpose is very different. Because the thing that we share a lot is that you can be in a life group and one guy playing guitar and praise the Lord, some are good, some are bad. But anyway, praise the Lord, we're all worshiping God, you know. But the thing is this, as we are in that smaller group, there's a difference than when you're worshiping with the whole band and the body of Christ is coming together and we are singing these songs to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us through that time of worship. So that's why we want to create experiences, encounters, and also there's a sense of unity as we're coming together. There is something powerful about unity. All throughout the Bible, when there's the people of God were unified, they were able to do incredible things. It's a fact. You'll see this time and time again all throughout Scripture. Even so much that even in Genesis, when God saw the, 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 these people building this Tower of Babel as they were unified, he said, this is not good. So there's power in unity. Sometimes it could be used for good. Sometimes it could be used for evil. And so once again, we want us to experience the power of God 
through the gospel in the times that we gather as a whole church to pray. I'm excited for mid-July, and I'll just give you a little uh, heads up. We're going to have an all-night prayer. Some of you are like, huh? Yes, we are. If you have never been to all-night prayer, you don't stay up all night. Well, you might. We just kind of go with the Holy Spirit. There have been some days or some, I, I don't know, gatherings uh, during our all-night prayers that we ended at 12. Sometimes we ended at 2. Back in Michigan, one time we ended at pretty much 5.30. So they all said, let's go out for breakfast. So we all went to a 24-hour breakfast place, and then everyone crashed out. And so we're just listening to the Holy Spirit, and we're saying, God, what is it that you want us to do? But these encounter gatherings are going to be so important that we want to encourage you to make the time and the space for this. Because it's going to be a time where we're going to do deliverance. We might do just prayers, intercession together, and in unity. And I think there will be power. And so those of us who are just joining us, one of the things that I've said is that we're breaking up these 50 days into eight weeks. And each of the week, we're going to focus on a theme. And we're going to try to prepare these things with, uh, for you. And we're going to share a little bit at the end, the next steps, some materials that we have created for you to use so you can grow through it. Today, I'm going to talk about part one, which is worship matters, or excuse me, war, warfare matters, but worship does matter because that's part of it. You know, now you know what I'm going to be focusing in on, on, on worship. But the thing is this, is that warfare, it really matters in the greater scheme of things. But also, there are a lot of matters of warfare that many of us are not attuned to or we don't understand. So I want to talk about to that today. And then next week, we're going to talk about winning the battle. So how do we win this battle? How do we fight this battle? I'm going to talk about waging the war. What, what, how do we then engage in it in such a way we take the victory that Christ has given us, and how do we live our lives? Then we're going to talk about the weapons of warfare, that what are the tools that we have? What are the weapons that we have that we can fight Satan and his schemes and all his strategies? Then we're going to talk about wounds of the past. This is going to be a hard one because we're going to talk about some of the things from the past that we've experienced that are negative things that have wounded us that we don't even realize because now it's being carried out in your home the way you respond to your spouse a lot of it is tied into your wounds from the past the reason why that you cannot get along with some your roommate and some other people is there's a lot of wounds from the past so we want to try to address those things if not what's going to happen is that you are going to carry that over to the next generation that's why we've told you when you struggle with something it's not just comes out of nowhere, but it's most likely you experienced it from your parents. And now you as a parent, you're going to share it to your kids. And it keeps on getting passed down until that spirit, that generational pattern is broken. So make sure you mark this on your calendar because this is going to be so important for you to experience genuine freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. Then we're going to talk about how words have power, how we have to learn how to declare and to be able to use words of blessings rather than curses. And then we're going to talk about wearing God's armor and how that's important just as we live this life that we put on the armor of God. And then we're going to talk about, lastly, walking in freedom. So after seven weeks of this, 40, uh, uh, was it, 43 some days of this, then the question now becomes like, how do I continue walking in freedom and not go back to the things that I've experienced before? So that's why we're anticipating and believing that there's going to be a mobilization of prayer. I'm excited about this. There's going to be prayer that's going to come out from our church. Also, I believe there's going to be maturity as followers of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, many of us are going to see a, a tremendous growth because now you realize that Satan has been putting you down, holding you back. You're going to experience just tremendous maturity and growth in Jesus Christ. We're also believing and anticipating there will be multiplication of disciples. I'm also believing this is a good opportunity for you to invite your pre-Christian friends. If some of you are here today or watching, listening, and you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, I've been praying for you, and I'm praying that through the word and the truth of God that it will set you free because only Jesus Christ can set you free from the things that you're struggling. The answer is found in the gospel. It's found in Jesus Christ. So we're praying that there will be a multiplication of disciples, people who will come to know the Lord. Many of you will be excited to share this freedom with other people, which is our last thing where there will be this movement of freedom, that it will not just be just contained in our church, but we want to see a movement happen all throughout Hong Kong, all throughout your campuses and your workplaces, and even beyond to different parts of the globe, that we'll see a movement of freedom of people living in the purposes of God. So as we start this, I want to just start off and after giving that little bit of a review from last week and reiterating it here, I want to try to manage or at least temper some of our expectations. Because what happens is that when we start a campaign, when we share all this stuff, many of us are like, yeah, this is great. But I want you to really understand that it's not going to be easy. So I want to, I want to kind of manage your expectations, but yet at the same time try to encourage you to have faith that God can use this for something very, very powerful in your life. So let me just give us some things. I was sitting there, I was just trying to think, like, like what are some things that we can expect? At least let's talk about what we can expect from this and then talk about some of the things that this campaign will not do so that we can manage some of the expectations. The first thing is this. We will feel uncomfortable and it will be hard. You can expect that. It is going to be uncomfortable and very difficult as we go through these next 50 days. So you just have to believe that and understand that. And when you do face hardships and it gets uncomfortable, we're like, oh, wait a minute. We were told that it's going to be uncomfortable and try to push through. The second thing is this. Your life might be turned upside down as things are revealed. What I mean by that is not everyone is going to respond well. But maybe you have to confront your parents. Maybe you have to confront maybe your child. Maybe you have to confront that old person in your life from the past. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you right now, your life will be flipped upside down both for in that kind of chaotic relational part, even internally, but also your life will be turned upside down in the sense where God will literally turn you completely around, a 180 where you're going to see things differently. So we're going to expect that. The third thing is this, you are going to know more of God's heart for you. Man, I'm praying for this, to know more of God's heart for you. The more you understand his heart for you as a father and we as children of God, it will revolutionize your walk with God. The fourth thing is this, is that you will have the tools to keep living in freedom. So we're going to just empower you. We're going to equip you. We're going to give you things, things that you can use on resources, even just on our church app or whatever it may be. We're going to get it into your hands so that you can continue to live in freedom. Fifth thing that you can expect is that you are going to understand the beauty of the gospel. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen. We're going to understand the beauty of the gospel. Like you thought you understood it, but as you go through these 50 days, there's going to be a deeper appreciation and a deeper just gratitude of this gospel that is so beautiful, that it's so different from any other religion. I could talk to anyone from other religions, and we could have a good discussion because 
Christianity is far different. That's why the uniqueness, we don't come off like we're better than you. No, we're just considering the tenets of the faith and how you earn salvation. And the problem is all other religions, you have to earn it. But Christianity is the only religion that you cannot earn it. It has already been purchased by Jesus Christ. You just have to receive it by faith. And so you're going to understand, wow, this, for this reason Christ has died. For this reason Christ has offered forgiveness. For this reason Christ has accepted me. For this reason that he has adopted me into his family. It's going to blow you away. I pray there will be a fresh wind of a appreciation and understanding the beauty of the gospel message. Now, here are some things that this 50 Days of Freedom campaign will not do. First thing is this. It will not fix everything in your life. Come on now. If you're lazy, you're lazy, all right? And so there's other stuff related to that. Yes. But I'm just telling you right now, if you're coming in there like, oh my God, my life is going to be turned upside down and I'm ready to go. I'm going to get married after this and I'm going to have all this stuff. I'm ready. I'm going to tell you right now. No, it's, it's, the marriage issue might not, well, it might be related to some freedom issues, but maybe your personality. There's other stuff. So I'm telling you right now, this is not going to fix everything in your life. So let's try to manage that expectation. The second thing is this. It will not stop you from going back to your old way of life. Just because you've experienced this one encounter and you're like, wow, this is great. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go back to that addiction. It doesn't mean that you're going to go back, uh, that you're not going to go back to that kind of mindset that you had. This is a continual battle that you have to win. So I want to make sure that you understand just one encounter, one sermon, one life group, one LCG is not going to transform you to the point where you're like, I am so different now. No, it's a continual work through the Holy Spirit and faithfulness on your part. The third thing is this. It will not guarantee direct results. These things are connected. Some of us, in, I mean, we, we live in Asia. It's all about results. I do A, and then I'm going to see B. I, I, I do, you know, this particular thing thing i'm expecting this this is the reason why some of you are so despondent and sometimes even aloof and apathetic because you try so hard but it's not working you put all this time in it and you don't see any fruits that itself is a stronghold in your life that you might have to be set free from it's it's not about results it's about once again getting deeper in our relationship with christ so that we can make decisions to live in obedience and to love him and to love others the fourth thing is this, it will not prevent you from future spiritual warfare. Just because you go through this 50 days doesn't mean you will never face spiritual warfare ever again. You will. That's why it's a daily walk with God. And lastly, it will not change you beyond your level of faith and obedience. Even though God wants to work, and he will. If you're lacking in faith, you're doubting, you have cynicism, all this stuff, that is not a good environment for God's power or his spirit to flourish and to flow. So can I just encourage us when you think about these 50 days and even beyond that, that you have to understand that the faith that you have through humility as well as obedience because God puts that desire in your heart to love him and to obey his commands, that those things intertwine with our, in our understanding of the spiritual warfare, that's where we're going to find true, genuine freedom. All that being said, I want to start off and just share my story about this whole spiritual warfare. As many of you know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. And because I didn't grow up in a Christian home, not only did I not know about Jesus and the gospel, but all, was, all I understood was just this Korean, and then as time passed by, more of a Korean-American type of living in the United States. 
A lot of it was driven by maybe Confucius kind of teachings because my parents were not believers as well. And so I was pretty much lost. And through a series of events of things that I went through that were pretty serious, that my parents almost literally gave up and said, if we don't do something, this, this guy is going to end up in jail and uh, uh, like a prisoner. And so because of that, my, my, not a prisoner, but like in prison, my parents in desperation sent me to a retreat where I first heard the gospel and about the love of God and the forgiveness of God that comes through Jesus Christ. It literally wrecked me uh, as, a, as a young man. And through that experience, one of the things I came across is just, it's hard to live a Christian life. So I fell away and I drifted for many years until God arrested my heart once again and I began to understand more of his love for me and I made a decision that night at that party. I just said, you know, at a 17-year-old, I've experienced everything that a 17-year-old can experience and more. And I said, if this is the meaning of life, I don't want to live. And it was in that moment of desperation and emptiness in my heart, I gave my life once again in rededication to following Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My life has never been the same since that time as a 17-year-old during that summer. And from that moment, no one taught me about spiritual warfare. No one taught me about sometimes the struggle and the principalities and the darkness of this world. So a lot of times in my Christian life, what has began to happen was that I put all the pressure on myself. I got to try to be holy. I got to try to do all this stuff. And it wasn't until I became, I, I went off to college and I was part of this gospel band and we traveled around and I began to see so many things that I've never seen before. And I realized that there's a spiritual realm and that's where my prayer life began to deepen because I realized the importance of prayer. But through those experiences, even when I became a youth pastor, as I was working uh, as a youth pastor, there were a lot of experiences that God gave me that I realized, no, the spiritual warfare is some serious stuff. I'll never forget, I, I got a call from our uh, kind of like an English department pastor who oversees the youth group, the children's church, all that kind of stuff. And he called the rest of us. We were downstairs in our office. He was upstairs, and he called us. He goes, hey, guys, I need you guys to come with me, and uh, please come prepared because we're going we're gonna to be praying and then engaging in some spiritual warfare. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're so naive, like, spiritual warfare? Let's do this, you know? But then also part of me, I'm like, huh, spiritual warfare? What do I do? And so I really didn't understand. I didn't know fully but I just knew that I experienced different things throughout college, and, I, I, and at least I acknowledged that there is something of the spiritual realm that's darkness and light and Satan and God and this uh, cosmic kind of war that's going on. And so I, I, couldn't, I can't even fully describe it. was like I was scared, but it was like the good scared, you know, kind of like scary good. And so it was like scary exciting. So we got in the car, and man, that pastor, he was in a serious mood. Usually, he's a jokester, and he would always like, take us out to eat and stuff like that, but he was serious. He was focused, and he goes, I think you guys should pray. Then I realized, uh-oh, what are we doing? So then I began to ask, and I said, uh, where are we going? Uh, who are we going to be talking with? There's a lady who is part of this church, but she hasn't been coming out for some months now, and it has been told by her family that she's demon-possessed. And I said, Oh, great. And I said, okay, this, is, this, this stuff is getting real, real quick. And so I'm like, okay, demon possessed. So I, I asked this pastor, I go, is there anything we should 
be aware of? Is there anything we should do? And he just said, pray. And pray that God will do something. So here I was, scary, excited. And I walk in, and as soon as I walk in, there was a lady in the corner sitting down. And then family members were gathered around. They welcomed us. We sat down. And uh, once again, this is from the Korean congregation because I served in a Korean-American church. There was a Korean and an English section. And so uh, they were, we were speaking in Korean. And then I quickly began to realize, like, something is not right. And as I began to kind of, you know, when you don't want to look because you don't want to be like, right? So you go, you know, and you go, <coughs> and you know, you because I wanted to see what was going on. So I'm here I am looking over. And I realized she wasn't normal. She was good, kind of rocking. Her hair was just a mess. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I'm trusting in you. So I just began to pray. Uh, whatever fear that I had, I asked God to take that away. You're more powerful. I had to remind myself of the truth. And then we decided to have a mini worship service. So we're going to sing some songs. Uh, we're going to hear the word. And then we're going to do this casting out of and just a deliverance ministry. So I was ready. I'm like, let's, let's do this stuff. You know, I'm ready. And so as soon as we started singing these hymns, we're singing these hymns, these old songs, but rich in theology. The songs that the pastor picked were all songs about the blood of Jesus. The blood, Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, as we were singing these songs, every single time it came to the blood of Jesus, she started shrieking. Like, ah! Exactly. That's what I felt. What you felt is what I felt. <laughs> Nothing but the blood. Ah! And I'm like, Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, I, I, was, I started getting a little bit afraid. But in that moment, as we were singing these songs, and she was constantly shrieking whenever Jesus was sung or the blood, one of the things that God was kind of speaking to me in that moment is, I'm more powerful. And then I began to kind of gain this confidence that I can't really explain. And I said, you are more powerful. This is what your word said. And so I'm going to believe it. And in the midst of her shrieking, I start singing louder. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're going at it. I was declaring the blood of Christ, the power, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. And then we brought her into the middle after we prayed. And by this time... She was manifesting, and we laid our hands, and we prayed for her. And I don't know how long it was, at least 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but it was some considerable time, and we prayed for her. And then all of a sudden, she was just limp. And then we prayed for the Holy Spirit to enter in and for God to work in our life. And then we began to sing more songs, and those songs that we were singing before where she was yelling, she yelled no more. And it was such an incredible experience for me because when we walked out and got back in the car and we were heading back to church, one of the things that, I mean, I was, I was kind of soberly reflecting on this. A couple conclusions that came to my mind is, number one, this spiritual warfare stuff is real. Number two is that I have been so blinded because everything I see around me, it doesn't seem like we're being attacked in any way. And then number three I realized there's power in the name of Jesus. Can I get a good amen to that? There is power in the name of Jesus. Even the demons shudder because of the name of Jesus. And that's why for the next 50 days, we're going to declare his name. We're going to claim his blood that has been shed for us 
that we, we were redeemed and purchased by God. And through this experience and through many more in Mexico and Peru when we did missions, when my wife and I, we started the church in Michigan, and we just went through a lot of different encounters, uh, sat down hours and hours and hours, tens and just thousands of hours with different people who are struggling. What do you say to a girl who has been sexually molested by her father? What do you do when that person who was, uh, you know, as a random stranger came and beat them up? All that bitterness and anger and hurt towards that group of people. What do you do with people whose hearts were broken over relationships? What do you do when people are just disappointed in God and the things that they were not able to experience? I mean, we're talking about there were some painful moments of me sitting on the other end of the table listening to some of these stories, and I realized for every single one, not only did my heart go out for them, but God's heart is, was already breaking. And I just, all I can say is I believe in the power of Jesus. I believe that he can heal you. And I believe that he can set you free. And we have walked through many, many people through deliverance and even praying over them and them just being knocked out in the spirit and the spirit of God ministering to them inwardly in the wounds and the hurts of their hearts that Satan has used as a gateway to enter into their lives. Now Christ, he has sealed it and they are purchased by God through his blood and all I can say is I have witnessed this. I have seen it. I have participated in delivering people from this. That's why I believe in it. And I believe that this is what God desires for us as well. So here's the one thing that I want to talk about today as we look at these passages. The first one is, the, the one thing is simply this, is that the readiness for spiritual warfare, if you look up here, brings fruitfulness to our spiritual welfare. So when we are ready and we begin to understand what spiritual warfare is, then what's going to happen is that God will use that as we fight in this battle. There will be fruitfulness, not only readiness, but fruitfulness in our spiritual welfare. I pray that we will be well, and we will be whole. We will be healthy. We will be able to experience great things as we talk about this together. So let's just go ahead and jump in. I'm going to talk about two specific things by looking at two separate scriptures that we see in the Bible to talk about the readiness of spiritual warfare and as it will bring fruitfulness to our spiritual welfare. The first thing is this, the reality of spiritual warfare. If we're, if we're going to be ready, then we got to understand the reality of spiritual warfare. Let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 through 12. We're going to look at these three verses as we talk about the reality of spiritual warfare. I know some of you already know a little bit about the spiritual warfare. You've looked at some of the similar passages that I'm going to be talking about. Some of you, this is going to be the first time. And I hope that as your eyes are open, that you will be ready to fight and engage in this warfare through prayer, dependence on God. And we're going to give some practical steps at the end. So let's talk about the reality. So I'm going to go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 6. This is what it says, the word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So let's just pause here, and I want to look at these three verses. Verse 10, verse 11, and verse 12. 
The Apostle Paul closes out this book of Ephesians in chapter 6. And it's interesting that he actually decides to talk about spiritual warfare. And he uses this imagery about a soldier ready to go into battle. I, I don't know if that's how you want to close out a letter. Can you imagine when you're closing out an email? It's like, yes, there's going to be spiritual warfare. You might die. I don't know. It's just kind of weird, right? But this is how he closes out this letter. And this imagery of a soldier is something that's really powerful that everyone probably understood why. Because during this time, the Roman government ruled the majority of that area of that world. So they probably have seen many of these Roman soldiers everywhere on a daily basis. So he uses something that is familiar to help people to understand something in the supernatural. So there are several things that I want you to note here that Apostle Paul is trying to communicate as he talks about the reality of spiritual warfare. The first thing is this. We must have the right dependence. The question is, who are you depending on? especially as we begin to go through the spiritual warfare in our lives. So that's the question I want to ask us. How many of us have been so concerned about something and you, you, you are so like certain about it? You're, you're, you're like, no, this is so true. And then all of a sudden, you find out that you were wrong. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. And this is Christina's, my wife's problem with me. Because I'm so stubborn and like I think I, I, I know everything. So I'm like, no, 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 this, this is it. And then I look for her eyes because when her eyes starts rolling, I'm like, I'm in trouble. She's like, oh, my God, okay? No, I, no, I, I read it. This is true. And I would just share all this stuff. And I, I, I'm pretty positive. I feel it in my spirit. Now the question is, what spirit? But anyway, I feel it in my spirit. So I, I will say things with certainty. And all of a sudden, later on, a day later, Later in that evening, a week later, sometimes a month later, I find out that I was completely wrong. Can, can anyone empathize with me? Can I get an amen? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. When you are so certain about something, but later on you found out that you were completely wrong. And I think when you think about this, it's because the reason is we are so trusting of our own wisdom and our own knowledge as well as our abilities. I think that's the problem. We have, if I could give you a bottom line, overestimation of ourselves. That's what it is. And that's why I believe this is the reason why when we talk about spiritual warfare, a lot of us do not fully understand because we have an overestimation of ourselves. And what do we do? We trust and we depend on our own abilities, what we are able to do, how we can do that. But the problem is you cannot do anything. In fact, I'm going to show you here that Paul makes a clear argument that if you trust in yourself, you trust in your own wisdom, you trust in your own discernment, that it will be a pretty high likelihood that you're going to miss it. So let's read verse 10 again. I want, I want you to read this. Listen to what he says. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, why is this important? Because Paul exhorted the believers to be strong where? In the Lord. Not in ourselves, but it's in the Lord. Which can mean to what? That, that in the Lord, it means to find our strength in God. To find strength in Him. The emphasis is on God's power to engage in the spiritual warfare. 
The word strength, as you see in verse 10, it is translated as power that overcomes resistance. Like literally anything that's coming this way, God's power or strength is so much stronger that it will completely resist it and knock it out. That's the idea that Paul is trying to communicate here. That's why the phrase of his might, the reason why this is very powerful is because he understood that it's God's inherent strength. Not that he, we get the strength, but it's God inherently from him it is given to us. Now, let me just make a comment that I think it will help you to understand why this is important. The word strength, as I shared before, when you study that word, you'll realize that that word is used a lot when it comes to Christ's miracles. When Christ did a lot of miracles in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he did it with the strength of God, the power of God being demonstrated. So once again, it is not from us. We don't possess it, but it's through God that's in us that he then acts upon the power and the strength that comes. This is the reason why when we think about it, that this, the strengthening not only is by God, but it's also his resources that he gives. It's unlimited. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, you know this verse. It says, I can do all things through him. So it's through him who what? Gives me strength. So it's God's the one who strengthens us, and it's through him, not by ourselves, not by us drinking these special tea or like eating very healthy. It is by him and him alone when it comes to spiritual warfare. That's why I like the amplified version of this verse, verse 10. Listen to what it says. I want you to read the yellow section with me. Let's read it together. It says this, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. So once again, it's from him. And through your union, your relationship with Christ, where you will find this power. And in the power of his what? Boundless might. See, this resource is boundless. It is unlimited. So once again, when you look at verse 10, it gives us this idea, finally, like be strong in the Lord, the strength that comes from him. I'm just wondering about us. I'm wondering, are you struggling the question we should be thinking about is where are we drawing our strength? I'm wondering, do you turn to God or turn to yourself? Especially when you're struggling and facing all these difficulties, you know that there might be some spiritual warfare that's going on. Do you just try harder? Do you believe that your union with God or with Christ can overcome anything in your life? Do you believe that? Because a lot of times when we don't have faith in that, then we're just going to give in capitulate and say, you know what, what can I do? So not only the right dependence, who are we depending on, but the second thing is this, as we talk about the reality of spiritual warfare, the second thing is we must have the right defense. So not only the right dependence, but the right defense. Let's read verse 11 again, as we read earlier. It says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, I want you to notice verse 11 here. The first phrase, it says what? Everyone say it. It says, put on. Now, why is this important? Because what Paul is trying to say is that he is telling the believers, it is your responsibility for putting on God's full armor. And there's a sense of urgency. Like, hurry up and put it on. Because the warfare is already here. 
See, a lot of times we, we play this passive role and say, well, if God is powerful, if God's going to do everything, then what do I need to do? So I'm just going to chill here, get attacked, and, you know, whatever. This is the reason why we're constantly defeated. This is why you get discouraged, you get disappointed, and then after a while, you're, you're, you're just out of, out of the race. The reason why is you need to understand in the spiritual warfare that we're going to be talking about, and we are talking about right now, that there's a part of human responsibility. Paul says that it's, it's the strength in the Lord, that, that out of that we're able to overcome. But listen, it says put on. That is something you have to do. God, God is not going to put it on you. You, you have to put it on. It is our responsibility. What do we do? We put on this armor, and we'll talk about that later as we talk about different waging the war. But we're talking about this idea of putting on God's armor so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, the glimpse we see here of Satan and what he does is by the word schemes. I want to look at it from different translations so you can understand the word schemes. And this is how Satan works. Here's some translate. The Living Bible says this, so that you will be able to stand safe against all what? Strategies and tricks of Satan. Here's another translation that Amplified. It says, so that you will be able to successfully stand up against the schemes and the strategies and the what? Deceits of the devil. So what's happening is Satan, we, we, we get a glimpse of what Satan does. He's using schemes, strategies, deceit. He's using all these things and uh, tricks to trick you. Can, can, can I ask, well, you don't raise your hand, but I, I want you to think, how many of you like to be tricked? Scam. No one. That's like the worst. You know what I'm talking about? When they're like, oh, click over here because, you know, and then it's, they're fishing. And you're like, oh, this looks so good. Oh, click. And all of a sudden, they get all your information. It's game over. You have to call a credit card, cancel, everything. No one, un unless you're really, we'll pray for you, deliverance. There is not a single person in this world that likes to be scammed or tricked. Can you imagine, brothers? If some of the girls were like, hey, I, I think I'm kind of interested in you. I, you're like, wow. They're like, I was just kidding. You know, after, after you buy her the bag, after you buy her all the stuff, then it's like, I was just kidding. Some of you would be like, can you do my funeral tonight, Pastor? Just kill me, Lord, right now. I mean, you've seen all these things on Netflix about the swindler. And, you know, ladies, no one wants to be tricked. No one. But that's what he does. So he is so crafty. He is so good that he knows how to take something that is true, bend it just a little bit so that you're gullible enough to believe, and all of a sudden he has tricked you. He has schemed against you. That's why Satan has so many different names and descriptors that describes him in the Bible. I'm not going to have time to look at all of them, but I'm just going to just list them all for you. He's called the devil because the word devil in, in this passage, it means accuser. So he's constantly accusing you. He's called Satan because it means Satan. The word Satan means adversary. He's an enemy of God. He's called a tempter and a murderer and a liar. He's called a deceiver and a destroyer. He's called a lion who's kind of crouching and ready to devour. He's also called a serpent. Now, this is the interesting part. He's also called an angel of light, which means that he could almost look like something that is of the light. 
So he's called the angel of light. So you got to be able to understand. And then he is called the God of this age. I mean, think about everything that's going on in this world. Like he is causing havoc and he's enjoying it. Look at some of the children and some of the stuff that they're going through. Just look at so many issues of mental health issues. Not to say it's your fault, but there are things that Satan is doing and he's using to cause us to feel and go through what we're going through. Not to say that we're not a co, you know, we're not participants of it. We are sometimes in many ways co-participants in what Satan's trying to do because of our disobedience. So bottom line is Satan is the opposite of everything that God is. Everything. If God is love, Satan is about hate. If God is for unity, Satan is for division. Satan is the opposite of all and who God is. Now, I hope, if, let's go back to verse 11. I, I hope you've noticed that passage here in verse 11. The, the word that I want you to focus on, it says stand. Now, he doesn't say advance. He doesn't say attack Satan. But he just simply says stand. Now, the word stand, which appears here several times in this chapter, you, and we'll, we'll see this in different uh, sections of this 50 Days of Freedom, that word stand that appears several times, it means to withstand or stand against. So pretty much you're holding your ground, and as Satan is coming towards you, you're not trying to advance or you're not trying to attack him. You're just trying to push him off. You're defending the very area that Christ has won for us. And every single time we give up, we doubt, we lack faith, we trust in other things, our flesh, all that kind of stuff, then the territory that we have gained, we're giving it back to Satan. So pretty much that word stand is very powerful because he says, the area that I have purchased with my blood, the territory in your life, the areas that you found victory in because of the gospel, he says stand. Don't let Satan take that back. So that's why this idea of holding a territory that has been conquered, what you're doing is you're fighting the enemy so that he will not take this back. I think this is important because Paul is referencing to what he's been talking about, and maybe one of these days we'll do, I think we already did a study on the book of Ephesians, but anyway, I love this book. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible. But in chapter 1 and 2, Paul already talks about this warfare in terms of the power that Christ has given us. I want to physically help you to visualize this and see this. Um, in Japan, there's a game called, um, let me get this right, Botashi. And those of you who might not know, or if you're Japanese, you can correct me later, but Botashi is an interesting game because it's kind of like Capture the Flag. So I'm going to show you this video of a Japanese version of Capture the Flag. Now, let me just warn you, it's wild. Because there's a pole that one of the, the team, one side of the team, the team is supposed to uphold. If that pole somehow tilts past 30 degree angle, then you lose. So everyone on your team is trying to keep this pole standing upright and everyone from the other side is coming to knock that pole down. So we have a, a video of this. 
it's exciting. But as you're watching this, can I just say, we do not condone this. Please do not try this at home. They do wear helmets to protect their heads because it, it gets a little bit wild. But I want you to visualize this idea of holding ground and not allowing Satan to come and take it. So let's watch this together. The two things, we talked about the right dependence and the right defense. And then the third thing that I want to close out this first section about the reality is we must have the right discernment. So once again, we have to have the right dependence. Who are you depending on? The right defense. How are we standing and learning how to defend the territory that God has given us through his blood? And lastly, we must have the right discernment. So let's read verse 12 again. Verse 12, this is, this is what it says. Verse 12, okay. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So here's Paul reminding us that the struggle is not physical. It's not in the physical realm, but really what's happening, there's a spiritual conflict that is going on. And it's against the spiritual forces and about the powers of the darkness of this world. Now, if you look at that phrase again, the cosmic power over this present darkness, he's referring back earlier to chapter 5, verse 7 through 14. What does he talk about there? He talks about how the powers that have different influences on us that cause us to sin is sinning against God, and that influence is this present reality, this present darkness. Now, it doesn't absolve you from that sinful nature that is in us and how we choose to sin. But you need to understand that Satan has influence in your life that's causing you to sin. He will deceive you. He will speak lies to you. He will put doubts in you. He will sometimes be like this. Do you really believe that God's going to help you? And like, maybe he won't. So I'm going to trust in myself. So you made that decision to trust in yourself, but Satan is also complicit in causing you to sin. It is the influence that we see that he refers to. That's why there's this imagery in chapter 5 that talks about the light and darkness. He talks about that. And Satan has helpers. Who are his helpers? Well, we just read it in verse 12. His helpers are these rulers, authorities, and evil spirits. So there are these evil rulers in the spiritual realm. Some of you are like, yeah, we have some evil rulers here in Hong Kong and, uh, you know, in whatever country. It's not talking about, I mean, they could be influenced, but these rulers that are in the spiritual realm that we're seeing. And then these authorities that are in the spiritual realm. And then the evil spirits, they try to rule the spiritual world. And it is clear that Satan has demonic creatures that assist him in his evil attacks. So that's why some of you who cannot seem to set yourself free from some of these issues of the past, there's probably some kind of demonic and some kind of spiritual evil force that is influencing you, speaking to you, nudging you, and for whatever reason, you cannot set yourself free from. That is the reality of the spiritual warfare that you have to understand and believe and we're going through. And that's why Paul uses what? He uses wrestle. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, which indicates that we are involved in this hand-to-hand -hand battle or combat. 
And we're not just mere kind of sitting there and spectating. Oh, that looks really fun. We are engaged, wrestling, hand-to-hand combat in the spiritual realm. And that's why we got to win. That's why the question, once again, is who are you depending on? You got to have the right dependence. And then what is it that you're trying to defend? The territory that Christ has purchased for us, that's ours now in Christ, that we are heirs of Christ. We don't give in or give up any of the stuff that Christ has already purchased for us. That's what we're standing. That's what we're defending. Not your pride, not your ego, not your saving face, but the things that Christ has already purchased for us that's now ours in Christ. We stand in it because we don't want to give it back to Satan when we were living in darkness. And we need the right discernment to know that we are fighting against the spiritual realm. So now the question is this. We talked about the spiritual warfare. Then how do you respond? What is the response? So not only the reality of spiritual warfare, but here is the response to spiritual warfare. That's the second point, and I'm going to close with this. I think it's important when we think about understanding what the spiritual warfare is, the reality of it, then the question is, well, what do I need to do? Before I talk about what we need to do, can I just encourage us to remember several things? This is going to be important because it's going to get you in the right mindset. The first thing is this. We have to acknowledge that the spiritual realm is real. If you do not fully understand it and you don't acknowledge it, then no matter how much you try to, you're not going to take it seriously. There's, gonna, there's not going to be a sense of urgency. Now, the unhealthy thing would, would be you're on the other extreme. You're so afraid of it that you don't want to even deal with it. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to put fear in you. So I think there needs to be a healthy view and acknowledgement that there is the spiritual realm that we live in. It is not just the flesh and blood. It's not the thing that we see. It's so easy to just kind of blame it on people, blame it on certain circumstances when we fail to realize maybe there, there's some spiritual stuff that's going on that we don't even know about. The second thing is that we have to accept that once we become a Christ follower, we are declaring war against Satan and his demons. Pretty much which side are you on? You're either darkness or there's no gray. Oh, I love black. I love white. We mix it together. We wear gray. No. It's either black and darkness or it's either light. It's darkness or light. There's no middle ground. So once you say, that's why in, in 1 Peter it says what? He, he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are now drawing a line in the sand and you're like, I am no longer on this side with Satan, but I am now on this side. And so you have drawn this clear line And I'm telling you right now, once you become a follower of Jesus Christ and you have decided you're going to love Jesus and obey his commands, you are declaring war with Satan and all his demonic powers. He will do everything possible to destroy you and to kill you and to steal from you. The third thing is this. We have to affirm Jesus Christ as the triumphant deliverer and the triumphant king. That is one of the things that you have to be able to affirm constantly when we talk about what do we do next is to understand that we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world, knowing that he is this conquering king and he will come back to forever silence Satan and his demons. But until then, they're doing everything possible to hurt, 
and to break the heart of God and to destroy people and destroy the things of God. The fourth thing is this, is that we have to be aware that Jesus has won the war, but the battle still rages on. The battles in our lives still rage on. Why? Because the war is done, but some of the battles keeps on happening. The famous illustration, many of you heard it before, even during World War II, that when the war was over, when, when the United States, they won against Japan, like there were some Japanese soldiers who did not hear about the news, so they were still fighting in some of these different areas, these battles. But the war was won by the U.S. So once again, it's the same concept. Jesus Christ won the war. He died. He rose again from the dead. That was the last thing Satan had against God is death. But he won against death once and for all by dying and then resurrecting from the dead. So that's why Paul says, oh, death, where is your sting? It is no longer powerful because once again, if we die, we're going to spend the rest of eternity with Christ. And so Satan, knowing that the war is over, he is still trying to cause havoc. Another good example is during the early uh, uh, 1990s, during the Iraq and the, the war in the Gulf area, the Middle East, when Saddam Hussein was trying to invade Kuwait. Once the Allied forces came and destroyed and pushed back Saddam Hussein, guess what happened? Because he lost the war, he started burning up all the oil fields and causing havoc. That's what Satan does. He knows his time is running out. He knows that he has lost the war, but he will still fight the battles and cause us to turn away. Last thing is that we have to admit that the things that blind us to spiritual warfare. You know, there are a lot of things, distractions, desires, other things that is not from God that distract us. And so we got to be able to confess that, admit that, and that will get us moving forward. So I want to quickly close out as we think about the response. Is from this passage that we'll probably reference to, and this is one of the passages hopefully you will memorize. Is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read it up here uh, for us. It says this, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Spirit, the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Come on, say that. Freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So what we see here is that everything that he was talking about in chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, he was talking about now because of what Christ has done. In verse 12, he says, since we have such a hope, we are bold. Why is this hope important? Because, because of what Christ has done, it gives us hope, and with this hope, it causes us to be bold and confident. Because of this hope, for many of us, I hope you understand this hope that comes through Jesus. We have the courage to step out and do things that we might not normally do because it's through Christ, through his power that we see here. And then what we begin to understand and see is that this hope is dashed when what? What happens? When our hearts are hardened, when the evil spirits come against that. That's why in verse 14, uh, it's not up there, but you'll see that 
through Christ, the veil is taken away. Understanding of what Christ has done, understanding of who Christ is. And those who behold, this is the key, listen to me. Those who behold Christ and his glory, they will be living victoriously. Now, we, we saw that verse. A couple things you will notice here, what? It says, turn to the Lord. When we turn to the Lord, what happens? Then the veil will be removed and that we will experience freedom. So can I just encourage us? One of the things you got to do is you got to turn to the Lord, especially when we're facing spiritual warfare. The second thing is this, not only being turning to the Lord, but be transformed by the Lord. When you look at verse 18, can we read verse 18 again? Listen to what it says in verse 18. Uh, the last part, it says, for, um, excuse me, uh, yeah, verse 18, it says, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Other translations in the NIV says, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. In the New Living Translation, it says this, and all, and all of us have had that veil removed so that we can what? Be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And the King James, I like this, it says this, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. So you know what beholding is? It's like looking at this glass and you're holding it up and you're just looking at it, and we see the glory of the Lord. The reason why Paul is saying this, why will it transform us, is because we are not looking to ourselves. We're not trying to focus on the evil spirits, but we're focused on God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You focus on who he is, what he entails in, in his character, that he is powerful, he is greater. He can work through my life, in my life, of some of the past wounds. He can destroy some of the spiritual attacks that are coming my way. So when you behold Christ, not only are you being transformed by it, but then as you behold him, you are beginning to abide and have this hope and trusting in him. That's why I love what St. August, uh, Augustine said uh, in, his, in his sermons in the New Testament. He writes this. He says, because the face of God is so lovely, my brothers and sisters, so beautiful, once you have seen it, nothing else can give you pleasure. It will give insatiable satisfaction of which we will never tire. We shall always be hungry and always have our fill. What a great reminder. When you see him, then nothing else will satisfy. Beholding his glory, that we're being changed from glory to glory. It's this idea in the message translation has this idea of gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful. The NIV talks about ever-increasing glory. And when you behold his glory, that is when you're going to want to obey and follow him. You know why obedience is such a key? Because listen to what C.S. Lewis said. He says, in obeying a rational creature consciously enacts its creaturely role, reverses the act by which we fell, treads Adam's dance backwards and returns. Those of you are like, huh? What is he trying to say? What he's saying is this. When Adam and Eve, they were created, they were to love God and to worship him and obey him. God gave them a mission to rule the earth. But in their disobedience, then they started marching forward to all that we have seen in this world, destruction, evil, everything that has happened. But as people of God, as we understand the grace of God, we start obeying. We are literally reversing that because through obedience, we're going to see God do some redemptive and beautiful things. 
So once again, the one thing is the readiness of spiritual warfare brings fruitfulness to our spiritual welfare. I pray that we'll be healthy as we move forward and as we go through these 50 days. We need all of us to be in prayer, trusting, depending on God. If I were to give you some next steps, can I just encourage us, and this is where I'm going to encourage us to kind of think about, like, okay, this is something that we want to try to do in our life groups this coming week. The first thing is this. We want to be very clear in our purpose. Why are we here? Why do we live on this earth? It's to enjoy God and to glorify Him forever. It's to love God, love people. Be clear on your purpose. It doesn't mean like, oh, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Oh, what, what am I, who am I supposed to marry? Or what city am I supposed to live in? Like, that's part of the purpose where you live it out. But the greater purpose is not for you to just do this one thing, but it's to love God, to love people, and to just live in just enjoyment and satisfaction of who God is. That's what's going to tr- compel people. So be clear on your purpose. Because Satan will do everything possible to come against you in that purpose. The second thing is this, be centered on the gospel. Throughout these next 50 days, I pray that everything will be centered on the gospel message. I pray that your gospel radars will be up. If someone says something that's like human-oriented or human paradigm, I want you to call it out in a loving way. Hey, that doesn't really sound like the gospel. Sounds like really more human-driven. So that's why sometimes I listen to what people say because it will tell you a glimpse of how they're thinking. So those of us who are just starting our Christian journey, some of us who've kind of slowly started coming back, some of you came from other different places where it's very works-oriented, one of the things I want to encourage you is to be centered on the gospel. Receive some feedback from people. Hey, you really have a works mindset. Let's turn back to God because that's what's going to help you during this spiritual warfare. The third thing is this, be committed to the process. I'm going to go ahead and invite... Pastor Bo to come on up, and he's going to share some things of resources that we're going to give you that will help you to understand the reality of the spiritual warfare and then to respond to him and uh, respond to God. And so we're going to, we need to have you committed to the process. It's a process. It's not like after this message, okay, I, now I know spiritual. No, you got to process it. You got to be able to say, okay, I see this in my life. I see where this scheme or trick comes into my life, and I just am gullible and I keep on falling into it these lies. So we're going to give you some tools to help you to overcome and be committed to the process. So Pastor Bo, you want to come on up and share? One of the tools that we want to equip you with, if uh, Satan is the father of lies, we want to equip you with the truth. And what better way to equip you with the truth than to bathe our minds and our hearts and every part of us in Scripture and God's Word. And so one thing that we want to be committed to as a whole church is to memorize Scripture. Now, there's a lot of different verses all over the Bible that are going to be amazingly helpful. But what the pastors we did was we just picked 21 of the best verses that we possibly could that we felt would be super relevant for us in this particular season. So what I'm going to ask the greeters to actually pass out and uh, hand out, uh, we have a a one-page handout of all the verses that we want to be able to memorize. There's 21 verses categorized by different things that we're going to emphasize during this 50 days of freedom. There's some verses about our identity because oftentimes Satan likes to tear down our identity. He likes to tell us that we're not accepted, we're not chosen, we're not children of God, we're not loved, we're not forgiven. And these verses will reinforce 
the truth against those lies. Uh, you'll notice another category that we talked about in terms of verses are identification, identification of issues, the, the past hurts, the strongholds that we uh, have struggled with. We'll talk about that in a coming week. And then the last category of verses that we're going to talk about is the intercession. Different ways that we can pray, verses that will help us, that will encourage us to pray, to help us to find that freedom. And so the verses are right there. What we did was we broke them out down into eight weeks. There's three or four verses per week. And uh, some of the verses that are longer, we consolidated so that it's only two per week. The others that have three per week, those verses are a little bit shorter. And we wanted to encourage us, let's memorize these verses together. And as we do it together in your life groups, in your LCGs, then it's going to help us to be encouraging one another to memorize these verses together. And then as we pray for one another, as you pray, instead of just praying just general like, well, God, you know, if the, you can actually pray that specific verse. And how encouraging would it be to hear God's truth in the prayers of one another or as you're encouraging one another to remember in the midst of the struggles and the things that we're trying to find freedom from. Two other tools that we want to equip you with to help you to memorize. I don't know, some of you students love Quizlet. Uh, you use that for your memory flashcards, for your, uh, all those kind of things. I know that you're like, man, without Quizlet, it'd be impossible to memorize some of these things. So we have a Quizlet for you for these verses. They're all pre-populated there. All right, so those of you who are students, you know how it works. Uh, I don't know if we have it on the browser. We do. Uh, it has each of the verses categorized by week, and you could just click into it and just memorize that week's particular verses. So I think they're right there. Yeah, it's right there, so you can click into it and then use all of Quizlet's function to randomize or to you know, use the cue card function. Up to you, how do you want to use it? And then you can also study the whole folder if you want to at the end when you've collected all the verses together. We also put together a Notion for those of you who are like a little extra techie, you want to put everything in Notion. Uh, it's there and there's a verse library there where you can categorize, you can click on by theme, right? If you want to look at all the verses on our identity, you can look at it that way. Or if you want to look at it by week, you can also click through that and see it uh, in that format as well. So we're just trying to provide whatever resource available so that we could best know scripture, have it in our minds, and to be able to speak and use that truth throughout the next eight weeks. Hopefully that will be a blessing for all of you. So there you go. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bo. Go ahead and you can scan that if you... Uh, those of you who are over 40 and you don't, you don't really understand it, just go ahead and put, keep that sheet in front of you and put that near your desk. So see, one of the beautiful things amongst my friends, they're like, how did you know about that? How do you know this stuff? I'm like, I'm hanging around with college students all the time. So it keeps me young. So praise God for that. So uh, even if you're over 40 and you're part of our church, you, you, you'll, you'll learn some of these things too. So go ahead and scan that and you could download it and hopefully it will be helpful for you. Man, what's, what's the best place to do it? It's called M-T-R. Okay? So if you're riding on your train, that's a good time to memorize scripture. You don't need to look at whatever you're looking at. Just because it's going to make you jealous, right? So Instagram, oh man, why am I not? So once again, memorize scripture. That will help you. Let me quickly finish off with these and then we'll kind of come into his presence through worship. The fourth thing is this. So already we talked about be clear on your purpose. Be centered in the gospel for these next 50 days. And then be committed to the process. And part of it is memorizing, memorizing verses, coming out to life group, doing LCG. Be committed to the process. The fourth thing is be confident in God's power. Man, I just pray that our church will really believe that even in the spiritual realm, 
where there's dark forces and evil and things going on, principalities and rulers and authorities of this dark world, that we believe so much in the power of God that it's going to release prayers and people are going to be set free. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen? Okay, maybe just about a third of you. Can I get a good amen to that, all right? Amen. Praise God. Somebody like, I don't really believe in God's power. That's the problem. We're going to believe in it, and we're going to believe that he's going to set us free. And lastly, be connected to God's people. We cannot do this by ourselves. We need other people. That's why we need you to come out to Life Group. We need you to do LCG. We need you to participate. Don't think that if I just come on a Sunday, I'm good. No, you're not. That's what causes you just to get spiritually lazy at times by being together, by fellowshipping, even though it's going to be a sacrifice because it's going to be tiring. It's going to be more meetings. But this 50 days, I pray that you will do this so that your mind will be renewed, your heart be set on fire, and so that we will love God and be able to love Him and love others. Let's stand together as we close out here. And I know this is just a beginning of things that we're going to be sharing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we're going to go into, as I mentioned, uh, winning the battle, waging war, weapons of warfare, all the stuff. And I'm excited every Sunday to be able to teach, along with Pastor Bo, we're going to be teaching these things to equip you, educate you, to train you. But I believe more than head knowledge where it's really going to count is during the LCGs and the life group. And where it's going to really count is some of those encounter gatherings when we are going to worship, we're going to pray in unity, there's going to be power, and people are going to be set free. I'm excited for all of you. I'm excited for myself. I'm just like, man, I need this myself. I want to be able to enter into this new season, especially when September rolls around. I want to be able to love God, love people, and be empowered and to see incredible things for this coming year. So I believe that, and I believe God's going to do that in our lives. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? And as we close here in prayer and just singing of this song, I'm going to encourage us, just put your head bowed right now. I want you to try to imagine this cosmic warfare that's way above you. And as Satan is releasing all his demonic powers upon us, using all the hurts, the doubts, the lies, the deceit, the schemes, the strategy, all the tricks, that there's Jesus who's pushing back and he stands in our place. And all he wants us to do is to trust him and believe by his power, the resurrection power, that God is going to be able to do some amazing things. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Nothing will come against him. His, his purpose, his plan will always, will always prevail. And he will prosper us for the glory of his name. He will bring us to that place where we need to be. Where we can feel the sense of peace and security. Knowing that we are loved. Knowing that he is watching over us. And as we feel this hope, it will give us boldness and confidence. As we turn to the Lord and be transformed by the Lord. Let's respond in these next 50 days with humility, with utter dependence on Him. Let's hold our ground. Let's stand. Let us not allow Satan to take the very areas of our lives that Christ has died for. 
Let's not just give in. Let's stand. Let's fight. Let's encourage one another. Let's protect each other. Let's fight together in the front line. God, I, I, just, I just pray for a release of just your anointing right now in the name of Jesus. Just a, a release of your anointing, your favor. Lord, we, we know that as we enter into these 50 days, there will be a lot of opposition. There will be a lot of spiritual attacks. We might get into conflicts with our roommates or people at work or even within the families. We know that Satan is going to use everything possible to discourage us, to turn us away. But we're praying against that in the name, in the powerful name of Jesus. We're just releasing, Lord, just your favor and your peace upon each one of us. We're releasing, Lord God, the freedom. Take away the veil that blinds us. And Lord God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we're believing, Lord God, for this freedom that will come into our lives. So Lord, help us to create this atmosphere of just faith, create this atmosphere of trust to look to you, that nothing is going to come against your plans. No matter how hard Satan tries with all his demons, God, we as your people, we want to stand firm. As we understand the reality of the spiritual warfare, and as we respond to you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.